Hey everyone, Sean and Dave here from Saturday Morning Cartoons. We need to thank the following amazing people for going to our Patreon account and supporting this show. So a huge thank you to John Helter, Jack Connolly, Derek Haynes, Alex Kazanis, Jarmaine Myrick, Carson Clark, Allison Keene, Dr. Jason Woods, the wonderful Melanie Harker, the incomparable Sean Paul Ellis. Oh, and the phenomenal David Trumbor. Uh, thank you so much. Now, you guys might wonder why we are thanking ourselves and some familiar names of the podcast. It's because we want you to know that we not only appreciate your uh, donations to the podcast here, but we are actually putting in our hard-earned dollars as well. So to give you guys an idea of what you can actually get for some of these monthly contributions through Patreon, if you can't contribute any money whatsoever, we would love it if you guys would just visit patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons, remember that's morning with a U, and just share that link out among your social media uh, pages. That would help us out a lot and just get the word out there. If you do want to kick in a couple of bucks, you get some cool stuff back in return. So you may not know that we send out a monthly newsletter that not only tells people about upcoming news that we have going on, We've definitely got some cool stuff coming in the next couple of months here for you. But we'll also announce the upcoming list of shows that we're going to be covering. So if there's a cartoon out there that you actually like, you're going to get to hear about it in the monthly newsletter. Other than that, you also get special uh, thank yous in the newsletter. You get a special shout out like this one right here in each and every episode. You can get early access to weekly episodes and you can also get access to our special behind the scenes rambling between Sean and myself. Oh boy. Yeah, there's some gems in there. So you're going to want to check that out. Again, head on over to patreon.com slash Saturday Morning Cartoons to do so. And thank you so much to everyone who is a current patron. Thank you to our patrons. Thank you so much for listening. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Spooky Edition of Saturday Morning Cartoons, the show that revives, resurrects, and reanimates some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the squeam screen, I'll be your poltergeist <laughs> projectionist, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always from the haunted lobby, your favorite undead usher and mine, Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, sir? Uh, David, 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 I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm just happy I got through all of that without flubbing it too badly. Uh, nice. It's the first time I looked at my notes in a minute, and I didn't realize I had so many tongue twisters. <laughs> squeams. Do you like squeams? Uh, I do like squeams. Are you a lover of squeam? I'm a, I'm a lover of squeam. Why are you saying it so weird? What's wrong with you? <sighs> because this, this show, this cartoon, uh, definitely continues to substitute what I think should be the word scream. Mm -hmm. With the word squeam. It sounds like there's a Q in there. Is there a Q in there? Uh, yeah, it's like S-Q-U-E-E-M. I like it. I believe so. And so that's, uh, it's just, it's one of those things where they almost use, they just keep saying it. They're just like, you know, even from the title screen in the intro when it says like, squeam screen. And you're just like, this is too much alliteration for my brain to handle right now. I, at just, this point. I, I really liked it though, because it's, uh, as we'll talk about in a second, we haven't even mentioned the title, but that's fine. We'll get to it. Uh. This can be kind of, maybe not spooky, but there's definitely some, like, whoa moments in this thing that you don't see coming. But it's meant for little kids, because it's got some lessons to it, it's got some sort of moral tales. There's a heavy hand of that throughout this thing. So to kind of, like, take the edge off the scary factor, I think they do things like the squeam. Because then that kind of softens the, the, the terror a little bit, so you can, you, <laughs> you can stick around a little bit longer if there's only squeams. 
Because if there's like a if there's an axe wielding maniac that's coming near you yeah. and he's like, "Are you ready to squeeze?" Yeah. You're just like, "Oh, I'm already I don't smiling." Feel so bad. No, yeah, I feel I'm better like, about it. I'm gonna get chopped into bits, but at least I'm gonna have a smile on my face. Exactly, and I think that's what they intended with grisly tales for gruesome kids. Whoa! Which is what we'll be talking about tonight. I <laughs> was not aware that this thing existed until we looked up spooky cartoons. How about you? No, I had no idea. This is, a, I mean, this is a, a British cartoon. Yeah, so we have no idea, no clue. So we had no idea. It wasn't even Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's not get into. No more Canadian and no more uh, Canadian monster. Or, or creature-related cartoons for, for at least the time yeah, being. at least a year. At least another year. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, is a, this was a... So, for people who are unaware, uh, Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids, or Grizzly Tales, uh, is a series of books by Jamie Ricks and an award-winning ITV series based on those books. The series was narrated by Nigel Planer, and animated by Sarah and Simon Bohr of Wolves, Witches, and Giants fame. In all, six series and a New Year's special ran from 2000 to 2007 on ITV, and Grizzly Tales was consistently one of the highest-rated children's animated shows on the channel. In 2011, a new 26-episode reinvention of the show was produced for Nickelodeon UK and Nicktoon UK. It was awarded Best Children's Program at the Broadcast Awards in 2012. How about so, that? yeah, something that was definitely you know it's 17 years old now at this point as a as an animated show. I'm sure that's probably a little bit older for just the actual books that Jamie Ricks has right. done. Uh, you know, but then it's kind of cool. You know, uh, four-ish years. You know, after it kind of concluded its initial run, it gets a reboot. So. It definitely seems like this is a, this is a very popular cartoon in the UK. Yeah, and an award-winning reboot too, which is usually not the case. Usually, if this thing right. has an original run and they they run it again with a new kind of look to it, eh, you're probably not going to get awards the second time around. You're going to get that sweet sweet cash, but you're not going to get those awards necessarily. Yeah, but you're not going to get them accolades. No, you're going to leave them those, accolades those behind. Squeamish accolades. Just so squeamish. I can't say squeamish. I can't say squeam. Without smiling from like almost ear to ear. I think it's it like physically really... makes you say it. Like when you say <laughs> squeam, say it wherever you guys are listening in the car, you're in rush hour, whatever. Just say squeam. Squeam. You're automatically going to smile and it makes you feel good. <laughs> from now on, when I have bad days, I'm just going to be sitting at like a desk or an office somewhere and I'm just under my breath. I'm just going to go squeam. Just say, I'm so angry. I could squeam. Squeam. Perfect. And people around me are going to look at me like I'm more of a madman than I already am. So well, at least you'll be congratulations happier. to me. Yeah, you'll be happier yeah. and you'll have less people bothering you. So oh, it's a win-win. Boy. It's better than serenity <laughs> now, I think. Squeam. And look at it this way. Yep. It'll be one of those niche references that you'll just be like, oh, you don't know about uh, Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids? And people will be like, no, I'm only familiar with the Serenity Now Seinfeld reference. And you're like, Buckle up, I got a cartoon for you. There's a sweet Venn diagram crossover. I think <laughs> the two of us are, I don't know, there's got to be a handful of others, but that's about it. It's a very small slice <laughs> of that pie. Okay. Uh, unless you find, I don't know, like a British millennial, I guess. There's probably a lot of them running around. I mean, I would assume it's a whole generation of people. Probably a whole generation. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> National like generation. You, like you just whittle it down to like a handful, like a sprinkling, a sprinkling. of Well, you have to be old enough to have watched or want to watch Seinfeld, right? But young enough to have either been a kid or been an old weirdo revisiting this show on a podcast 
to watch Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids. We're definitely in the latter category of that. But if you were, I don't know, born in the late 90s and you were in Britain, you probably watched this show because it was an award-winning yeah. animation series. <laughs> hey, you want to know what this thing's actually about? Yeah, let's do it. If you didn't know it was British already, this is the most British synopsis possible. I'm not going <laughs> to read it in a bad British accent, but you'll pick it up as I go along. So the series is a collection of morality tales, which also has insinuations of a horror story. Gruesome punishments happen throughout. The stories mainly focus on naughty or horrible children, for example those that are vain, untidy, lazy, or lying, learning a grim lesson and receiving their comeuppance for their unacceptable behaviors. Examples include The Bugaboo Bear, in which a little blonde girl buys a bugaboo bear and treats it as a person, only after a surprisingly short amount of time she gets bored with it and starts treating it in a horrid manner. And William the Conqueror, in which a young lad who destroys trees attempts to steal every conquer in the village. The program, spelled with an E, also focuses on frightening children into believing their parents. So I think if you're keeping track at home, that's like five super British words uh, in that description. So, yeah, again, this is a British cartoon show. I mean, the challenge is, is that if you're not familiar with a Conker, yeah. it's that squirrel character from the video game for Nintendo 64. Conker's bad for a day. Conker's bad for a day. That's the one. That's where it comes <laughs> from. Conker's live and reloaded. Is that a, was that a sequel? Yeah, it was for Xbox. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I knew he had sequels, yeah. but are they making a new one again for like the next gen uh, systems? Man, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know that I'd, I don't know that I'd really want to. That's like in the whole Banjo kazooie yeah phase of stuff they were fun uh i think they I need to stay they, where they are yeah and they're weird polygons they're really here's here's what i want to do is i just want to i just want to go watch a playthrough of those games or a speed run of it yeah. just to check it out again but i think i'm probably cool with that playing. you should watch a banjo kazooie speed run it's i think it's yeah. pretty tedious actually but in all seriousness, a conquer is a horse chestnut. Yeah, I was going to say, right? is, it, is it an acorn or is it's it a, a horse yeah, chestnut? It's a, ch- it's a chestnut. chestnut. It's horse yeah. chestnut. So why are they so. not conquers roasting on an open fire? Was that Americanized I, dude, for us? I, I don't know how we localized those songs. What do you, what do you like better, chestnut or conquer? Both I of guess them are chestnut. Weird. I guess you like chestnut. Chestnut, better? chestnut. Yeah, I like chestnut better. Chestnut sounds I, I just, weird to me. Like, there's something... Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm so used to chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Oh, I'm so like used to. I got them here all the time. Could just cook in around just, the clock. <laughs> just every day is Christmas. Mm, every day is Christmas place. in my house. I got an open fire. Landlord's not pleased. I always got chestnuts on. <laughs> well, there's not like a fireplace. I just have an open fire. Just yeah, going. it's just like an oil drum that just has like a constant hobo fire in it. Yeah, and the hobos yeah. keep it going while I'm at work. I don't know Aww. why this is weird to you. Uh, I just, it's not the way that I telework, yeah. but at the same time, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to say no. If you have creative juices that are flowing, uh, in, you know, the terms of conkers and horse chestnuts and, uh, hobo fires, then, you know, you do you buddy. Cause, uh, I think I would just be too weirded out if somebody was like, Hey, you want some, uh, you want some of these conkers? And I'd be like, it's horse chestnuts. Ah, oh, the fifth fucking yeah they are slow learners but you know the place came with easy access to chestnuts on an to open train farm. trestles yeah i mean i think it's great it's kind of great i don't know how we oh, ended man. up here but okay back to grizzly tales i feel like grizzly tales i can't think of a i can't think of an american version of it where it was like a spooky story but was also a morality tale like we had are you afraid of the dark which was live action sure and they had spooky stories don't think they were that heavy-handed with the lessons though were they i think maybe goosebumps but again that was live action yeah and so i'm having 
having a hard time as you're you're mentioning pulling like an animated series uh off the top of my head because a lot of it, i feel like the stuff that we had was live action plus if you think about i don't know why we keep saying this are you afraid of the dark was filmed up in canada it was a canadian series that we brought down to nick in america man we just we can't get away from last month's canada stuff no and this i'm okay with it for things like are you afraid of the dark and all that so i'm, I'm okay yeah. with it. just most but, of the stuff we covered last month go back and listen to it if you want to torture yourselves and us again I think, it, I think it's funny. I don't know why in any way, shape, or form we're just like, look, we tortured ourselves for four weeks, but definitely go listen to us torture ourselves for four weeks. It's, it's fun to listen to us when we either really love something or really despise something because we just get much more animated than something that's kind of like, it was nice. It was okay. <laughs> that's, just, that's just how it goes. I think I'm incapable at this point of just using the word nice to describe something. What about just like, Squeam? I, I actually, I, I mean, I like it, obviously, yeah. that particular word in general, because it's making me smile. But I think even for this show tonight, like, it was really hard because there was some, there were some interesting choices and things that they did. But all in all, this was a really fun show. It was, it was a fun show. Let's get into it. Yeah. So. so I think one of yeah. the most fun things about it is this theme song. But what do you think? <laughs> uh, I love it because it, it, it opens in a very kind of grand, almost like circus-esque. Sure. Uh, Haunted like, circus kind of yeah haunted circus orchestral opening uh where it kind of had like the what is it those like um those little like uh either like an accordion or sort of like one of those little like uh oh, yeah like the little organ organ grinders yeah the little like the little organ grinders yeah, yeah. thank you uh that uh, that they would use like at the circus and so like it kind of has that kind of a tone and and that kind of a sound to it uh but just then these these visuals are are so fun and then you have this really kind of fun little mini story yeah. uh of this kid coming to this <laughs> squeam screen and what is uh, what is the squeam screen it, it, it's i'm assuming that it's a place where kids can come. it's a theater it's a movie it's a theater, theater yeah. where kids can come and they can watch these morality tales or you know they they can check this stuff out but d- so. what tell me about this theater though does it look inviting like who's gonna walk into this place to me it, it looked it, like it, a like a, a new york um a Times Square theater from the 70s. And if you're watching oh, like the a, Deuce, like a porno then theater? you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. yeah, this definitely looks like it would be sort of like an adult movie theater where you would not allow a child to enter. Uh, for some reason, though, this kid shows up and he's pretty wide-eyed. Uh, very interesting choice. A lot of the characters that they have for this, their eyes are like 100% completely round. When Sean says wide-eyed, he means does not come with eyelids. <laughs> so they it just, does not come like with Mr. eyelids. Like Mr. Potato just stuck his eyes in his little face <laughs> and did not give him eyelids. <laughs> so this, uh, this wide-eyed youth, I feel like we should name him. I feel like Porky. He, Porky. Yeah. So Porky shows up. Uh, he, he's buying a ticket and, and you know, he's uh, he's you know, giving his ticket, uh, he's he's finding his seat. He's he's getting refreshments. And all the while, that, that organ music is to... kind of playing in the background. Exactly, and all the while, as the sequence of events are happening, there's like a hand that's kind of facilitating and making sure that he gets all this. Now you don't really see until I guess maybe he's given the popcorn bucket uh, that there's like kind of like a body or a head or anything that's attached. Yeah, to it's it not because... like a thing from Adam's family. Like there is a person attached to this. Yeah. Yeah, you, you sort of see like an actual full body with a head sort of scamper away back behind the seats. Or when he goes across the, goes behind the screen, shadow. Yes, yeah, you that. see this shadow of something that's there. You like, 
uh, as this kid is like turning around and, and looking behind him to presumably like a loud noise that's there. There's like a ghost and a burst of fire yeah. and some other shit. That, I like, watched that like six times because I was like, is I the know. ghost breathing fire? Is the fire coming out of the ghost? Like, what is happening here? No, it's just I, I, fire and a ghost. Yeah, it was just fire and a ghost. I think it was whatever uh, effects they had at the time that just threw them across <laughs> the screen. So they, they have all these really fun visuals. And then it kind of uh, concludes with sort of the this kid Porky eating a snack that's from this bag of sessions box right? yeah but instead of popcorn what do we have Dave? uh a little tasty beetles yeah they're little tasty like beetles. Were the, beetles was it just beetles or was it beetles and cockroaches i thought i mean it was hard to tell it just looked like a bunch of like shiny shelled beetles because you saw i think you saw the cockroaches out front when they were scurrying across the floor as the kids that's coming right. in this whole place is like filthy falling apart disheveled abandoned um but it's like it's spooky it's a spooky theater but this kid seems Porky seems like does not care. He's just there for the movies. He's totally fine with a disembodied hand holding him like a bag of beetles, <laughs> which he's eating. This kid seems either like shocked into submission or just not really all that choosy to begin with. I don't know. Or, you know, I, I've, I've thought about, you know, because in some cases, you know, children, younger children, until they're actually scared of something, they, they can be rather fearless. Right. Like these things can, they can be unflappable in the face of something that like we might consider to be like terrifying. Yeah. And so that's like when you see like those kids, like those YouTube videos of kids that have like a tarantula on their hand and they're just like, I like him. He's my friend. And you're like, get that off your hand. That is going to kill you. That is going to eat everything Aww, that you love. Tarantulas are fine. I, I, I don't like spiders. I know. Tarantulas or, are fine. Or even when you see the ones that are just like snakes with, with kids and stuff like that. And, and kids are just like, oh, but it's so smooth. And you're just like, that will literally eat you. Oh, I yeah, had... I mean, there, there'll be a silhouette of you floating down the rest of its body soon. <laughs> I had if you're not uh, careful. Side, side story. I don't know where this was in the Poconos, some sort of weird animal show or whatever. But I have pictures of me as like, I don't know, maybe 10 years old with a giant, um, like a white and yellow, like Burmese python. It's like draped across my shoulders. And it was like oh, longer really? than the, my arm span at the time, which I don't know how long that was. Five feet, maybe? Um, five and a half. But like, that thing was huge. But I just thought it was super cool. It was heavy, but it was nice and cool and smooth. It was super cool. I think stuff yeah. like that's fine, as long as you're not, I don't know, doing it in the wild. Somewhere yeah. with at least a modicum of uh, control <laughs> or people to... Supervision? Yeah, something. Um, so I, I guess I think it's, this is the challenge for our little guy, Porky, yeah. who's sort of going through this, is that, it's just maybe not something that he's terrified about. And speaking of supervision, there's nobody there with him. Like, he's there by himself. I'm wondering if, like... That was kind of sad. It was a little sad. That's why I didn't know I what was going wanted, on like, with this I kind of wanted, like, a friend. I kind of wanted a friend to hang out I don't think they could afford them. it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't think they could afford it because why? This isn't traditionally drawn animation. This is, like, stop motion or, or claymation animation. Right. So it kind of tripped me up because I thought the whole show was going to be like that, but it wasn't. And we'll talk about that in a second. But... I, I'm wondering if this kid is not seeing what we are seeing. I wonder if he walks into this theater and he sees it like pristine, welcoming, a lot of other people, normal things. He sees like normal popcorn as he's eating it. But I'm wondering if we're getting sort of like this veneer, like we get to see through the other side and realize like, ah, you shouldn't be doing these things. Like a Stephen King's It where we're seeing the things that are terrifying to us as adults. Uh, or more that the kid's not seeing it. I don't know. You can go either way. But I'm thinking more like the kid is not seeing it. Like if there's some sort of spell in this place that he's not quite seeing how horrible it actually is. Yeah. We get this moment where Porky is finally sitting there and all of a sudden then we kind of flash up to this narrator. Yeah. 
who sort of he's up in the projection to, right who begins to give us sort of the the spiel about everything that we should uh that we should like really kind of uh be made aware of and so you know it's you know he what is it he he mentions he's like uh cautionary tale oh, hold on hold on lovers. i got it i got it oh you got it i got it he sounds like Jemaine Clement, so if you know, or Clement, so if you know him, he sounds kind of like him. From Flight of the Concords. Yeah, or from uh, Legion, if you watched it, or from Moana, he was the voice of the giant crab thing. You, this guy's got a very distinct voice, like you know it when you hear it, and I do not sound like him, so I'm not going to try it. But uh, this guy, his name's Uncle Grizzly, he says, You are welcome to Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids. A series of cautionary tales for lovers of Squeam. (laughs) Which I love every time. He's got a little spider with him. Do you know the spider's name? No, the spider didn't name. He has a name. Spindle Shanks. Stop it. That's his name. That's a... That's an adorable name? name for a spider. And that's what I'm saying. Like, all this stuff is weird and creepy, and they do get into gruesome tales or grizzly tales. But... There's enough humor and kind of cutesiness here to take that edge off. So you're not going to be actually terrifying little kids with squeams. So you get this great little bit of kind of narration and, and introduction to, to everything that's happening. And you get, I can't, damn it, I can't say squeam without squeam. freaking smiling ear to ear. So we, you, you get that little tidbit of sort of what the focus is of, of the show. And all the while, as we made mention, that sort of like organ music is playing in the background. Uh, and then that, that introduction to our projectionist serves as a segue to allow him to introduce the episode. So right. it's, it's really an almost seamless handoff right. in terms of how, uh, how they progress. And then it just jumps into the cartoon. So ultimately, it was a really... I mean, it's an interesting animation style to have that kind of stop motion claymation. Again, like you said, I really thought, holy crap, this show must have taken like hours to put some <laughs> yeah. of this stuff together, like days, months, years to put like some of this stuff together. You know, but it's it's something that I think is actually really nice because it's uh, it's unique and distinct to the actual opening. And you get it. Um, you, it, it sets it apart from the Yeah, it sets it apart from the rest of the story. Because the rest of the story is kind of traditionally drawn animation, but it's also a little kind of janky. Like, it's a little sketch. Like there's some. I don't mean sketchy like a like a sketchy area of your neighborhood. I mean sketchy as in like you're literally sketching these characters. Sometimes it's a little kind of freehanded or a little less uh, specific or a little less defined. It's a little more sketchy. I thought about it in terms of did you ever watch uh, home movies yes. on Adult Swim? Yeah. Like the very early seasons. That were in like Squiggle Vision, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was they weren't in Squiggle Vision. So if you just removed the squiggliness <laughs> from home movies and just kind of had like still images of characters, so yeah. But for the theme song, a uh, pretty successful kind of way to set the show up and Definitely. kind of give you an idea of what the tone is, as well as also some of the humor. I mean, like we said, there's ghosts with fire. This kid is eating these beetle cockroaches. You know, you. They're doing a good job of really kind of setting the atmosphere, but keeping it light yeah. enough that as a child, you can kind of easily consume and digest this. And I love watching Uncle Grizzly kind of like creep behind the, 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 the theater screen in front of him. That makes me laugh every time because you just <laughs> see his shadow kind of like jankily creep across. And he's doing like the, the Lonely Island creep. Yes, he definitely was. <laughs> what was interesting, though, is that stop motion always kind of ha- it's always a little off, right? It's always a little unnatural. It's always a little creepy. 
So I liked, I liked how it worked for this opening too. And we're kind of in the animation style now, so we can talk about that. But the, the mode of sort of storytelling to go from the intro and then segue, like Sean said, into the story itself reminded me of Tales from the Crypt or Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Uh, because you had this sort of intro that was always the same and then it would land on your narrator. And then after the title screen came up, you would go into the early setup for your story. So it was kind of the same thing as uh, Tales from the Crypt or Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Just not quite as spooky. Spooky. But I mean, I think that that's, that's the point, yeah. you know, is that, you know, again, for... I, I'd say the one thing that this has a leg up on from Tales from the Crypt is that not everything had to be a terrible pun. Yeah, they did not. He didn't force stuff. He, yeah. he was goofy, but he did, they didn't linger on stuff too long either. He, he pretty much there, just set it up and moved to the next thing, and that was it. Like, there's definitely one joke that they set up at the beginning that has a little bit of a payoff towards it? the very end. It's, uh, so Grizz uh, makes some comment about how, like, little kids lying, like, you know, that, like, you lie like that, and it's something that you could set your pants on fire. And then at the very end of the episode, it comes back, and you know you've had like close to eight or nine minutes. I thought you were gonna say uh, you've had like eight or nine drinks. I was like, good God, this oh, is only no. a ten minute Jeez. show. Children, no, man. Um, so you uh, you have that little bit of space in the distance, yeah. and then it comes back, and and as Grizz is sort of uh, explaining and kind of giving that lesson at the very end, you slowly see his pants like light on fire, and you know, and he kind of comments and like fans it out and stuff like that. And so, um, but that was fun. That kind of like intro and outro. You you have that with Uncle Grizzly. So he, him and Spindle, Spindle Shanks are sitting there and they give you kind of this intro and then outro. And the outro of the second one, we're going to save for the very last moment because that, I was just like, holy shit. Whoa. So that was a little rough, but um, it, it's fun. <laughs> the intro and outros are, are fun. I, I like that character a lot. More so sometimes than the stuff going on in the main story. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the animation style yeah. that we have. Uh, for the intro, we've talked a little bit about the animation style for the episode itself. Is there anything else that you can think? Uh, I mean, uh, the the idea that I had for the animation style yeah. within the actual episode. Uh, I know that we talked the home movies aspect of it, but like very like solid colors. There wasn't like a ton of shading. No, it, it felt very things. flat too, right? Like there wasn't a lot yeah. of depth behind it. It looked almost like you were looking at um like like some a like, storybook, a storybook or cardboard cutouts, kind of like laid on top of each other, but no. No real sense of depth. depth. It was very two-dimensional yeah. and very kind of static. They kept using the same... It was. It was like flipping through a storybook or a picture book because mm-hmm. it was the same settings and then they would animate stuff in front of it and they'd use, reuse a lot of stuff over and over again. Oh, yeah. But it, it works for like the eight or nine minute main story that you're watching. And it was fine. It, it reminded me of uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog a little bit. Um, a, little, okay. a little more primitive than Courage. But kind of that sort of frenetic, always kind of moving, but never quite sitting still and being defined kind of look to it. That's about it, though. I don't really have anything yeah. else for the animation. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it wasn't like I, I, it was it was interesting enough to watch yeah. it. I also think that like for our little buddy Porky, who was like sitting down watching something on the like watching an actual movie on in the a theater. Squeen. On the squeam squeen. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's it's. Damn it. It's is one of those things that it must be like very weird to like sit down to watch a movie and all of a sudden it's like presented to you in terms of a storybook. I would have been like, I kind of want my I want my money back for my ticket. I'm, I'm a 
I'm a concerned patron. That's right. Who didn't, who didn't pay? I paid for the IMAX version. Yeah, he did. Of this, of this screen. Well, I paid for the Ford. Pay for the 4D version of Grizzly Tales, <laughs> or I actually get eviscerated <laughs> in the middle of the movie. It was interesting, oh, okay. though, to your so, point that like the stop motion is the intro, and then the cartoon world is the story. So it's sort of like we are live action, obviously. The kid is in stop motion, and the kid watching the story, the story is in 2D animation. So it's kind of nice to separate those layers out and be like, here's stop motion kid, watch this 2D animated story. Just kind of nice. And a lot cheaper, I yeah. would imagine. So. And I, I, I will say this just in terms of uh, the pacing yeah. of the animation. Like, I know that you said it, it's kind of frenetic, that there's like a lot of movement, but it really, it's well paced. Yeah. You know, if, if, if we haven't stated it and made it very crystal clear, these episodes are 10 minute Chunks. snippets. And so, you know, you have a, a setup at the beginning where you're sort of introduced to Uncle, Uncle Grizzly uh, and Spindleshanks and our buddy Porky. And then that segues into the actual episode itself, completely separate animation style. There's a break, you come back, you know, you get sort of a quick intro and you're ushered into another episode. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and for what they are, like, this was, because we've complained about this a lot, where we've had cartoons where we're just like, this should not have been a 23-minute cartoon. Right. This should have been cut down to, like, a five or a ten-minute son or of a gun. zero gun. minute, yeah. You know, or a zero minute. Or, like, we've watched cartoons where it's been like, this is an intro to a four-part miniseries, and we're just like, that should have been one episode. Don't kid yourself. You know, you tried to you tried to span out way too much over or too little over way, way too, too much. much time and it did not resonate at all. This does a great job in terms of understanding exactly how quickly they want to move. And I these stories were interesting. I'll say you they're, know, they're they, like they they're lessons, right? So they're life lessons, yeah. but they're with a spook they're set in a spooky way. So it's usually a shitty kid being shitty, and then they tell you a lesson of how to not be a shitty kid. Or like bad things are going to happen to you. That's essentially like the premise for each thing. Listen to your parents. Don't be a shitty kid. You won't get turned into food. As long as you're not a shitty kid, none of these terrible things will happen Fine. to you. Yeah. But these kids that are in this, as we get into Real bags sort of, of shit. Into, like they are really fucking terrible. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. So what do we got the first uh, the first episode? Oh man! First episode, uh, we have it's the new the nanny. new nanner. New nanny. What are the what are the parents' so, names? Because I love that he says it about God. twenty times. It's a it, and I want to say, say it in like the he tone. Does. He goes, "Mister and Missus frightfully busy." Frightfully busy. So, so Mister and Missus frightfully. Busy. And we should mention that it's Nigel Planer who does like everything for this show. <laughs> so they don't really have a voice cast. I'm pretty sure it's just him doing all these voices, doing the narration. So it's, it's interesting to get the different... 90% of it's the narration, exposition, telling you what's going on as it's going on on screen. Every once in a while, he'll throw a voice in. But he, th he adds his own personality into it by saying things like, Mr. and Mrs. Frightfully Bizarre. That's fun. It's just him hovering on the word bizarre, bizarre. for an extended period to of time. To stretch the animation so, budget out a little more. It's, but I mean, like, it's delightful. It's like, he does I a like great it. job with narrating all these, so I really did enjoy that. So let me, let me ask you this real family. quick, what's the, first thing where you, what's the first thing that really grabbed your attention in this story visually? Hmm. There's a moment. Uh, it's the fact that the dad looked like Harry Potter. Oh, okay. I could see that. That's not what grabbed that me. That was though. probably... Yeah, what grabbed, grabbed you? me was when a uh, car tire ran over a family of ants and blood spattered all over the screen. Uh, 
<laughs> it's like, holy crap, like that doesn't have anything to do with the story. Well, but I mean, right. he does make mention at some point, he goes, this family is in South London with the collective intelligence of ants. Yeah, but then he runs over and all then, the ants and they like spurt blood everywhere, which is I'm pretty sure yeah. I don't think that's what happens to ants, but. Well, eh. I don't, I mean, I don't think so either, British but I just ants, think they're maybe? trying. British ants? Sure. They're full of blood. <laughs> makes total sense. But they, they get into this. So we have Mr. and Mrs. Frightfully Busy. Yep. We have uh, old Mrs. Mac. Is that the nanny? Yeah, that's okay. the nanny. And she's lovely. Uh, we have, she's, uh, she's a wonderful yeah, woman. She's very nice. Uh, very helpful. She's there to, uh, she's there to be a nanny. Yeah, that's take what she care does. of the two kids. And, but these kids, though, holy Tristram crap. and Candy. Yeah, they are terrible. They're rotten little shits. Give me, what, um, what are some of the things they do? Oh, man, so they were throwing a blanket uh, over top of uh, old Mrs. Mac, and then they threw her out of a window. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> these kids aren't screwing the, around. This isn't like, you this, know, they're just not behaving or not eating their grilled cheese sandwiches like these kids are trying to murder their nanny yeah this is the thing that was so inherently british that i smiled uh is that uh they (laughs) i can't say it without the voice he goes put the bits that they don't want on her chair and so uh, they're saying that they put the bits like from these these meals from these things that uh old mrs mac has cooked for them and like they're putting like it looked like two sausage links, mashed potatoes, and like maybe collard greens or something like that. Like I'm like I'm looking at it, thinking to myself, man, I'm really hungry for exactly what they yeah, just bangers and mash. put on her chair. That looks really good. So they're like they're putting food on there, and like, but it's hard because like they have now de-escalated in terms of what they're doing. Because first thing is throw a rug on her, throw her out a fucking window. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to come Next back is from that. we had her sit on food. It's just like, ooh, guys. Well, these kids are rotten across the spectrum. They're either trying to murder you or just make your existence a living hell. I mean, they're spitting water in her face. Uh, and then, but what's the worst thing they that tell- they do? What? What's the worst thing that they do? What you were about to say. Oh, uh, lying to their parents. Yeah, they basically blame everything if the house is a mess or whatever, or they've got like... I don't know, lacerations, which they don't, but they basically blame it on the nanny. They're like, she treated us badly and she wouldn't give us dinner and she beat us and she like all this stuff. Yeah. Well, this, this was the thing that was so fucked up about the whole beating portion of this is that they say she beat us and the parents and Mr. and Mrs. Frightfully Bizarre did not seem phased by this. <laughs> And then they bring up the fact that, like, she beat us with your golf clubs. Yes. And then the dad was just like, fum, 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 I can't house. believe this. Like that, like, that was the thing. Like, yeah, uh, the fact that your kids were beaten, which they weren't, because this is all a lie, by their nanny, did not phase you whatsoever. The thing that registered and suddenly clicked in that, like, oh, shit, my kids shouldn't get hit by a nanny is the fact that they may or may not have used your golf club. Maybe this whole family this is just really shitty. I, I think that that's the whole... That, uh, to me, I want to say this up top. As we talk about these two episodes, every single person in this, uh, old Uncle Grizz is just giving you the worst of the worst in terms of people. These people are these, awful. Except these for the nanny. Are all the nanny garbage. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about kind of what she does towards the Fair end. Point. Uh, yeah. So. I think that these people are just not great humans in general, and so that's the point. And some is that, aren't humans at all. Yeah, right. Well, I think that the challenge that I have with sort of getting a message out of all of this then is, is that if you're surrounded by terrible people yeah. and you learn these lessons from terrible people, it's almost, you're almost 
you can't really distinguish then who around you is actually a decent human. It was like you already need to have that in you first. You already need to know right. right from wrong first to just be like, oh, what these kids are doing is terrible. So don't be like these kids because there's not another one in there that like there's not a good person that I mean, technically, for what you know, the nanny is a good, innocent person who didn't want to didn't deserve any of that stuff. She was just doing her job and then she gets canned. Sure. But there wasn't like a good person who was acting opposite these guys. Everybody's just shit, just shit people everywhere right now. Yeah. So, okay, what happens? Which... You, you come home, you're frightfully busy, and the nanny's beating your kids with your golf clubs. What was the first thing you do? Um, like, oh, are you saying, are you positing like if that actually no, really no, no. happened? Like if you're Mr. Frightfully Busy in this cartoon, what's the first thing you do? Oh, uh, you, you would fire, you'd fire your nanny. Exactly. You'd call a new agency. And uh, you would you would lie to that agency and tell them that they are the most adorable kids you'd want to meet. Of course. Uh, and this agency immediately is just like, yeah, yeah, we'll send over a new nanny first thing tomorrow yeah. morning. And then the nanny arrives and it's totally normal and uh, life goes on. Uh, no, let's, let's oh, pause right there. Uh, the nanny shows up and the nanny is a 35 foot python. Oh, like the one that was across my shoulders as a kid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was longer than your longer than your wingspan. Okay, cool. So this is where the kids learn their lesson because the snake eats them and craps them out. Uh, no, not at all. Oh. <laughs> These kids uh are terrible. Well, the nanny makes um, a mistake, right? What's up? The nanny makes a mistake. I don't really think that the nanny made. Oh no, any no, no, the nanny makes one mistake. She shows up, What's th- and everybody sees this oh, like giant sh- snake rise up, and the kids are terrified. They see this thing, and they're like, "Holy shit! Are you gonna eat us?" She's like, no, I'm your nanny. I just want to love you and take care of you. And then they turn back into little devil children because they're like, ah, she's weak. We can beat the hell out of her too, which they definitely yeah. do. So that was her mistake yeah. is not being tough with these kids. Here's some of the things they do. They put her tail in boiling water. Yep. They scatter tacks around the floor and the ground that she has to uh, snake move. What's a snake move? Slither? Yeah, slither. Golly, words. She has to slither over. They literally <laughs> stake her to the ground like Lilliputians. They use her as a TV antenna by sticking her up through the chimney. And they stuff her head down the toilet. These kids are little shits. So that nanny doesn't last more than today. She's done. She's out. Because the kids lie again. Right. And they say that, uh, that she was terrible. Yeah. So they toss that nanny and they hire and they say, you know, that nanny was awful. Please send us your best. Yeah. Uh, and they're just like, yeah, don't worry about it. We got your this back. This is Animal McMagic, uh, by the way, is the name of the nanny, the nanny company. Animal McMagic. Yeah, it's, oh, it's Animal McMagic. That's what I got. Yeah. Okay, I heard Animal Milk Magic, so I'm glad McMagic sounds. I, dude, I don't know. I mean, it could have been. <laughs> I British, heard Milk Magic. Who knows magic what goes on over reason. there? Milk Magic. <laughs> milk if magic. you're hiring a nanny from a place called Milk Magic, you milk magic. <laughs> might not want to tell your Fuck, wife. He, Probably <laughs> some to keep off the books. <laughs> uh, so we get this whole thing where uh, we get a new nanny that shows up. New nanny, what kind of what kind of thing could this be from McMagic? Totally normal human uh, milk bearing nanny. Yeah, or is it a spider? Or is it a dog sized spider? Dog sized spider. This is a big spider. Small dog. Yeah, it's like it looks huge like spindle spider. Yeah, like a big purple kind of puffy spider. Spider makes one mistake. Uh, yeah, that mistake is basically telling them. Uh, the kids that uh, to treat her like they she's the nanny. Too nice to the kids. So what happens to the spider? The one uh, the shower scene really fucked me up. That was really weird. I don't know what was happening. 
Yeah, so they they decide because they they make mention that evidently everybody knows that spiders are terribly afraid of water. So these two kids, uh, Tristram and Candy, and they bring the spider into the shower, and you just see from the 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 the, the like silhouettes from the curtain, like Psycho, from this like yellow curtain. Yeah, like it's Psycho. And they're like scrubbing and like cleaning themselves. I mean, but good on them for the, personal the hygiene. The spider's like bouncing or something is happening in between them. And it looked really strange. Yeah, it looks like they kind of like had a scrub brush at some point that they were or trying to kind of. Or it was like kinda... yo-yoing. I didn't know what was going on with that. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was like the web, like yeah. the webbing from the back of the spider. And they were just doing like a like a walk the dog kind of a situation like in the, the bathtub. But I mean, this... This poor spider was freaked out, and it's a very weird scene to watch. It's, yeah, it was really strange. Like, let's zoom it's in on these troubling. kids in the bath, flushing a spider down the drain. So they literally flush yeah. her down the drain, then they run outside, wait till she flush, uh, flushes out of the pipe, and then they start poking her with a stick. And I think, is it the dad or just a different adult that shows up? I thought it was the I dad. I thought it was the dad. who's like, oh, what are you up to, Tristram and Candy? Just like, oh, poking a spider with a stick. And he's like, that sounds like a jolly good game. And they all just start poking this nanny spider with a stick and they flick her away. Gone. Yeah. And she's done. And she's done. She's That's out. It. All right. So third rule three, right? Yeah. This nanny yeah, has to be legit nanny. Like robo yeah. nanny. Like got to kick these kids into shape. Right? Uh, it should be because we have a giant sized crocodile yeah. that shows yeah. up as a nanny for day three. Now. I want to make mention yeah. that the entire time that the parents are meeting all of these nannies that are coming in and you're thinking to yourself, like, who would possibly allow snakes like their children spiders, yeah. to snakes and spiders and crocodiles? First day, uh, Mrs. Frightfully Busy meets and does the meet and greet. Second and third day, they take great emphasis at the fact that Mr. and Mrs. Frightfully Busy were too uh, Frightfully were, busy. Like, were too busy yeah. to even be able to meet with these new nannies that are coming in. So they just leave the door wide <laughs> open to their house in South London so that the nanny can just simply come in. And if you're thinking to yourself, that doesn't sound like great parenting. Guess what? Again, all of these people are garbage. Yep. So garbage people. you're right on track. So what about this nanny? Did she make a mistake? Uh, no. no. This nanny gets straight to it because they're running out of time. <laughs> nanny gets then you get straight to the point, yeah, because yeah, they're grinding out the clock. Um, straight. You come back into yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Like, I, I was gonna, I was gonna kind of cut towards like what happens because the mom and the dad come home. Well, she straight. Or do you have stuff like just that? She straight eats the kids. Yeah, she eats the kids. Eats the kids, which is what should have happened in the first place. Straight eats the kids. So then yeah. it, it like fades to black, and you're like, well, I guess that's the end of the Tristram and Condor. Well, this is the next part where this show gets so inherently English and British that it just made me. Because um, the parents come home and they're trying to figure out where the kids yeah. are. And so they're searching all around the house, can't find anything. All of a sudden, and I quote, they found two warm eggs in the airing cupboard, which they brought down to boil with their tea. And I, I literally, I heard that line and I had to back it up twice. And I was like, Airing cupboard found two giant eggs. Boil an egg with you. I just that was the biggest. What the fuck is going it's, on it's right super now? British. That it's so British. I, you know, I, none of it surprises me, but all of it just delights it me delight. when I heard yeah, it. It was a delight, yeah. an international delight, if you will. <laughs> uh, 
John, Can- <laughs> John Luke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what happens when they boil these eggs? Presumably the kids uh, turn into mush. No, no. These, uh, these kids hatch out oh, of these cool. eggs. That makes sense, too. Which, I'm going to be honest with you, made me reconsider how I understand how crocodiles work. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting thing. Because did she eat them or did she, like, IFV style, like, insert them into some other crocodile? I would or love to see what happened in the space between, in the hours <laughs> between when she ate these kids to somehow stuffing them in an egg and then pooping them out. Uh, just to be very clear, there is so much zoological mm-hmm. about this show that made me question my understanding of animals through and through. It shouldn't, because I don't think this show should be... Uh, I don't think you should stand by I know, by I know, it. I know. Um, okay, so the kids, so are, is... kids are hatched, and I'm assuming once you've been eaten by a crocodile and you've been hatched uh, for your parents' uh, afternoon snack or whatever it is, you're probably going to be like, all right, I get it. I've been a real shit. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I'm going to fly straight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk the path. I'm going to be good, right? So these kids are all good. Yeah. They've learned their lesson. Yeah. These kids, cool. these kids in this moment actually tell the truth. Yeah, for the first time. For the first time. And this is, uh, this is crazy. Because, uh, lo and behold, again, as Dave mentioned, because we're grinding out on time in this 10-minute uh, this episode, the old nanny, she calls up as these kids are telling the truth and being sincere for the first time ever and asks for her whole job, asks for her old job yeah. back, to which everybody is like, this is the best. Yeah, can't this wait. is how it should be. All right, so nanny shows up and everything's fine, right? End of episode. Everybody's learned their lesson. All good. Oh man, man, you get to you get to see because we've we've all been led to believe this nanny is the innocent victim in all of but this. But turns out she's she Mrs. Shows... Doubtfire. <laughs> Hello. It's, but she shows up, and she has a oddly enough, Dave. She has three particular items that are well. With I mean, her. she has her luggage because she has to you know bring some stuff over. So she's gonna need yeah, but like what are the what are that luggage? Well, I mean, like, she though? had you know she has like a snakeskin bag, which yeah, is pretty fashionable yeah, yeah. for a nanny, but I think it's fine. She's got like an alligator skin uh, kind of suitcase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I think I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a PETA member or anything, but, you know, to each their own. Sure. She has a, what looks like maybe like a spider purse. Yeah, that one was a little strange to me. And I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it was basically just a spider, <laughs> like a full on the mini just dog spider that we had. Out. Was sort yeah. of like was sort of like a purse clasp yeah. <laughs> on, on top head, of its head. Like it was 100%. Really rough for that spider, by the way. Yeah, so you, you see all of the, the animals um, and insect uh, that, yeah, that have come in at some point in time. And so you're kind of led with sort of like a hard out at that point where these kids sort of realize, oh, no, these things that have uh, that we, <laughs> we taunted and then ate us are now like we're 100% manipulated and controlled by our old nanny. Uh, and you're really kind of left with the question, did the nanny set this up the whole time? I think the nanny Mick was magic? the voice of animal milk magic. Animal milk magic. I think that was nanny's voice. Never going never gonna, to never gonna live that mm-hmm. down. So, I mean, you, you wonder if animal milk magic was the entire idea and like Ashton Kutcher pranked of, uh, of old Mrs. Mac. I think so. Uh, or if this was something where like she got so frustrated at those other people stealing her business that she just like knocked out all three of those. What? 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 Old Mrs. Mac. Animal Mick Magic. Hundred uh, okay. percent. She set it up from the beginning. She said, "Look, I need a little extra scratch. I'm a witch. 
Times are tough. I'm going to be a nanny. I know how to nanny right. stuff. If these kids are shit, I got my animal familiars here that's going to set them straight. If they get past the snake, I got the spider. If they get past the spider, I got the alligator. If they get past that alligator, I'm going to curse their ass. But nobody mm. gets past the alligator. Old Miss Mac. It's really interesting because I, I, in my brain, I heard you say pasta snake. Pasta snake. And I thought that you were trying to segue into this. You get a pasta snake. You get a pasta snake. Guys, get a wooden snake. (laughs) (laughs) No, not again. Uh, (laughs) But real quick, so our outro with Uncle Grizzly, is this where his pants catch on fire? Yeah. But it's also where where his head turns into an alligator. As he's like running behind a pylon, he emerges and he's got an alligator head. That weirded me out. Yeah. It was a little jarring for two seconds. So kind of fun. What did you think of the episode overall? I thought it was fun. I thought it was very fast paced. Yeah. You know, I liked the fact that they hit that that rule of three in terms of what they were you doing. You could kind of see they it coming that... a little bit, but you weren't quite sure what was going to happen. So it was nice. Yeah, of yeah. course. You you had the nanny to kind of uh, to bookend, yes. like old Mrs. Mac to kind of bookend everything. But then it had to that me, it had that this... extra little tweak too at the end. That was a nice yeah. little level to it. Yeah, absolutely. Smart. And so they throw that nice little twist in, and you know they they sh- they show a lot of these kids just being absolutely terrible, you know, to old Mrs. Mac, uh, the spider as well as, and the snake. And so you get a nice little rule of three in there as well. And this just felt like a really nice, complete story. Uh, and the pacing was great. Like, again, as you mentioned, I think maybe the only thing that was a little bit annoying was that sort of like, there's definite moments where you can see that they're reusing animation, but it's, it's fine. It's fine. fine. I I mean, that was, you know, this is 2000. So it was kind of like we're, we're used to that. It's not a big deal. And it's mostly for like transition between scenes. Like they use this like right. shadowy figure that you can only see its eyes kind of glowing. And that's like a transition between nannies essentially. So it, it was fine. Yeah. But compared to the Spaghetti Man, did you like it more or less than Spaghetti Man? Uh, I'll say this. I knew what was coming with the new nanny. Okay. The Pasta Man to me or the spaghetti man to me uh was i guess like one of those weird kind of fables that i had never heard any i had no frame of reference for it and so for me it really kind of delighted me because i wanted to see what happened i wanted to see how they made this and then when like i because hey guess what uh i was recently on vacation where (laughs) i took a pasta making class (laughs) And so for me, I was recently in Europe uh, and took a pasta making class. And so for me, it was something that was like really, really super delightful to kind of see like how this strange entity that I had, you know, zero basis or I'm trying, I'm making like a snap judgment as I'm watching it, which is fun for me because I, I... I didn't know what to expect, and I was really kind of delighted by this oh, really? weird spaghetti man. Yeah, I thought it was also a little creepy, too. I was surprised. It was a little creepy, but I don't know. The whole thing seemed a little too farcical for me. The, the spaghetti man as like this kind of boogeyman. We're a little short on time, so maybe we just hit the high points from this one. But what, what kind of stuck out to you? You want to talk about uh, Timothy first, this little shit? Sure. So this kid, Timothy, uh, real asshole. Uh, he's a bad kid, doesn't want to eat his dinner. Quote, unquote, uh, a hideous squealing mealtime monster. Uh, I love yeah. that. That was such a great. There are so many really good specifics yes. in terms of language that they use in both of these short segment episodes. It, it's, it's really fun. And so the whole idea behind this is that they need to teach Timothy a lesson. Uh, so the King family 
makes mention about how there's this spaghetti man, uh, <laughs> which the whole framing device for this that they have is that there's a shop in Venice <laughs> that never opens. Right. And the darkest night is when the silver pasta machine can turn. That's where I was like, just like, all right. What? Nope, I was over like, it. <laughs> it's, I, it, I don't know. There's just something about it that I was just like, this is a little too silly. And it's not very. No, you checked out on It's not this? very spoopy. Okay. This was kind of spoopy okay. for me. I thought. It, uh, so the whole impetus for this is that this jerk Tim won't eat toast. And so he evidently sits at the dinner table days. for like two days. Yeah. And uh, this. And again, really good specifics. And like, you can always smell. Uh, when the spaghetti man's coming because it's flour and baking but it, and sp- spaghetti. Again, man, spaghetti. That that, I was like, that'd be great if the spaghetti man came by because it would smell like people were cooking spaghetti and that sounds great. Did, did, you, did you see uh, all the kids that were in the room? Yeah. So well, before, before uh, we spag- get there, before we get there, the one thing that creeped there. me out wasn't the smell of like flour or baking. The thing that creeped me out was when he was like, a hand was scratching his cheek, but it wasn't fingernails. It wasn't sticks or pins, but spaghetti. <laughs> spaghetti. I, I cracked up, but I was like, it's also really creepy. If you took like a handful of dry ass spaghetti and just like scrape it down somebody's <laughs> cheek, they ain't gonna like that. Uh, I, I, just because I was, uh, as I made mention, sort of my, my vacation, um, th- there's, and, and, and I met some English people and it's, it's hard to be in Italy and not, make mention of this word but i want to ask how do you how do you perceive mm-hmm. english people to say the word pasta dave mm-hmm. pasta dave because it's 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 unique not pasta dave no, just pasta. pasta comma dave i don't know i'd still say pasta oh really because every time i heard anybody who's english and i again it's one of those like tomato tomato things i find this delightful it sounds like they're saying pista, pista. Pista. I want to know if that's if there's a difference between like a Cockney accent and like a more uh, I don't know what are the what are the definers basically whatever the Jersey accent versus like the <laughs> you know, like the refined Manhattan Manhattan I don't know Manhattan Some, mm, Manhattan refined refined oh those refined Newark oh those Newark fine, those fine Italians from New York. Hey, come on, Dave. You keep talking like this. I'm going to send spaghetti, spaghetti man. man. I'm talking about. But like, you know, a Philly versus a New York versus a Boston. Regional dialects. regional dialects. So I'd like to hear what different people, all of our British listeners, <laughs> expatriates or, or currently living or Brexited, wherever you are, let us know how you say pasta, please. Oh, God, I love it. It's so funny. Pista. It makes me giggle. Pista. Uh, so uh, the, whole, the whole idea of this is that Tim doesn't eat for doesn't eat this piece of toast for x number of days uh spaghetti man uh comes and abducts yep. him all right so <laughs> we get to this point now where we, this show loves blackouts we, like like stealing children yeah, in does. one <laughs> version or another and then kids black out and they wake up somewhere else which that should terrify <laughs> you as a kid yeah never go to sleep again you know I'm not a kid, but after watching this show, I'm just terrified of like a blackout I'm gonna pay <laughs> like, somebody to at night while you're sleeping just Scrape your cheek with dried spaghetti. It's gonna happen tonight. Why? Please don't. Please don't pay anybody that one in the morning to me tonight. That's that's a tear jerk. One in the morning. Spaghetti cheeks. Uh, So we 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 wake up and we have Tim 
after this blackout. He's in this room. Uh, did, do you remember what Spaghetti Man had labeled all these different kids? Um, some are marked spaghetti. I think it's the fat ones that are marked uh, macaroni. And I know that Tim has a separate label. Yeah, so we have, uh, we have uh, thin kids that are spaghetti, fat kids are macaroni. Uh, we have kids that are labeled as Fasta Pasta. I didn't, I didn't catch that. I didn't know I don't, what he said. I don't, yeah, I don't know what Fasta Pasta is. Uh, like, I mean, I looked it up. I, so, I mean, I didn't know, so I had to like, look it up. Uh, presumably, like, it, it, it's, it's like a brand. Oh, that would make sense if it was a British brand. I know that comedians are usually labeled Fusilli. Like Jerry Seinfeld would be a Fusilli Jerry. Oh my god. Yep. Okay. Nailed it. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was get like Fasta Pasta, and then we have kids that are also labeled as lasagna. Guess who's lasagna? It's Tim. It's Timothy. Little Tim. You little shit. Oh, boy. I thought that this was a fun scene to kind of have all this, because guess what? Lo and behold, in the background, on the bench, waiting and labeled, uh, hold that thought Go because ahead. I thought I'm like we're getting to the end of this episode like how are these kids going to get out of here what's the moral of this story well turns out yeah. I was going to say as these kids are labeled on the bench they do like a pan over all of them with these like little stickies that say the different type of pasta and we see Tristram and we see Candy oh I totally missed that yeah dude I was like that's a sweet fucking callback Whoa, I totally missed that to have the two of them that on there made I, that made me squeam oh boy um, but Dave, to your point, you know, you're just sort of like this episode's down on time. Uh, there is no, there is no. no Timothy literally just goes moral. missing, and the parents are like, "Do you notice anything different?" And they're like, eh, "It's a lot, uh, a lot quieter, and a lot less stressful at breakfast." Well, this was the thing that really freaked me out, and this is the scariest part of the whole thing: is that you know, Timothy's probably presumably like ten years yeah. old. You know, uh, they conclude this by simply saying that. Mr. King hadn't noticed that his son was there and continued to read the newspaper. And it was like, that was mind-blowing fuckery for me. Well, and then, yeah, (laughs) on top of that, Mr. King would go off to work and Mrs. King would just prepare the evening meals. And then what was the meal she was preparing on this particular night? Lasagna. Yeah. Still not the weirdest part of the episode. This story is pretty much done. Well, question for you, though. If Tristram and, and Candy were there, does that mean they didn't learn their lesson? I mean, presumably, yes. So the nanny's, the nanny's next uh, stop was to call on the pasta man. The spaghetti the man. Spaghetti, spaghetti man. To call on the spaghetti man. Just be like, spaghetti. I tried. You gotta take these two out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, mean, that's, I love this, like, I mean, this that's underworld they're, they're network of, like, uh, of terrible fairy tale creatures. I really like that. It's like a dark web of fairy tale it's creeps. Weird. I like it. It's very, very right, we got one more but creepy thing. Like you yep. said, yeah, we got one more creepy thing. We go back to our old Uncle Grizz, and he's, uh, he's, shredding, uh, he's shredding some parm yeah. on top fresh, of some spaghetti. Fresh grated Parmesan cheese. Yeah, and, uh, and he, he is just, and this freaks me I out. I did not like this. Just, I did not like this. I did not like if this If you guys scene. are squeamish at all about grating things in the kitchen, maybe just oh. skip on ahead. Uh, but this is something where he's he's grating cheese and uh, he the camera kind of pans up mention. a little bit as he's doing it. Yeah, and so then he just he produces his hand and he's clearly grated off majority of the and fingers like that are on one hand. So he's got about nubs. it. Giddy yeah, about it. Yeah, he's excited. The spider is freaked out, throwing up flies in the background. I was like, "What the shit?" So that was how you end that episode. Uh, 
that skeeved me out to no end, but I loved it. Golly, what a weird way to just... Oh, boy. Anything else from Grizzly Tales for gruesome kids? No, man. Well, before we get to our love it or hate it tonight, we got opinions, buddy. What about other folks out there? Do you think they have opinions? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Internet, everybody listening, you guys have opinions. They're great opinions. Sometimes they're really bad opinions. To help us out with these opinions, we are going to toss it over to our longtime listener in front of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. This week's Love It was submitted via IMDb by Evie Grace Murphy from the United Kingdom on March 5th, 2013. It's entitled Brilliant Entertainment. Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids is the perfect entertainment for children who enjoy fright and comedy. I watched this myself as a child and loved it. The animation was simple and Nigel Planer was brilliant as the narrator and voices of the characters. Not only was it entertaining, each episode also contained a message that wasn't too preachy. It also had some adult humor as a little nod to the parents. If you're looking for an entertaining few minutes, I highly recommend Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids. I can't really find any flaws, and it holds many dear memories for me. 10 out of 10. And Your Hated was submitted via Amazon, was given 1.0 out of 5 stars, entitled Um No by Mamazon on May 22nd, 2015. She said, this was extremely weird and not in a cool way. Always a pleasure having Bobby Anthem on the show. Thank you so much, yes. sir. You are the best. All right, buddy. <laughs> recommendation time. Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids, do you recommend it? And if not, does it get the dip, meaning it's been erased from all existence? I'm going to recommend nice. this. I really enjoyed this. I think that there was, it was quirky enough uh, for, for some of it. It was quirky enough. The pacing was great. Uh, I really feel with the success of the theme song kind of guiding you in and sort of setting the tone for the rest of the show. Uh, they don't try to, to ham fist or, or, or shovel anything in with the actual framing story of having uh, Mr. Or Uncle Grizzly sort of, uh, you know, introduce these episodes. So nothing feels cheap or, or punny or unnecessary. A lot of this stuff just feels weird and creepy. And I don't know. I've never heard of Spaghetti Man, so I'll be honest with you. This is like a weird Slender Man shit. It's that, like a kid-friendly Slender Man, sort of. Yeah, that I, I kind of I kind of enjoyed seeing something new, unique, and imaginative that I had never heard of before. Definitely. So, ah, I definitely recommend yeah, the show. I Dave. feel the same way because it's a it's a super fun premise, and it's a real easy watch. Now it's, it definitely skews younger, right? So you're not going to be yeah sitting there binging a bunch of these but if you have younger kids and their shits and you need to teach them a lesson put them down here and then you can you can terrify them the rest of the night you know or the rest of their lives if you want and say if you don't eat your food the spaghetti <laughs> man's coming like problem solved there's nothing i can do about it uh or you can just say we're gonna hire this nanny who's just gonna eat you and shit out an egg like that's terrifying to a kid so i think it's a fun way to psychologically damage your children if they're being shits and not being a parent myself that sounds fun to me so <laughs> I'm going to recommend it. It's, it's fun. It was fun. Yeah. It wasn't quite as spoopy as I thought. It was more just kind of like weird and uh, a moral tale. The weirdest things were probably Mr. Grizzly or Uncle Grizzly at the end. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It, it reminded me of Courage the Cowardly Dog with a little bit of Are You Afraid of the Dark, a little bit of Crypt Keeper. So if you like those things, 
you'll feel right at home with Grizzly Tales. Yeah. Nice. All right, buddy. That's going to do it for this week about spooky cartoons and squeams. What do you have going on in the next couple of weeks for listeners out there? Guys, as always, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform for Washington Improv Theater. You can find out time, tickets, all the details, witdc.org. And I'm always on the grams and the chirps at Sean Paul Ellis. The best part is that Sean now has 280 characters of chirps to share with you folks out there. I don't even I don't even know how to use this yeah, anymore. Really I don't even know what you are anymore. Twitter. Twitter. If you want to find me on the Twitter, you can do so at Doctor Claw MD. If you want to find out more about this show, oh hey, by the way, I forgot to tell you, you can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and DaveTrumbo.com. <laughs> if you want to find out more about this show, like I don't know what else is coming up this month on Spooky Cartoons, head on over and check out our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash Saturday Morning Cartoons. Remember. That's morning with a U. If you sign up there, you can also get uh, attached to our newsletter. You can get some cool behind the scenes outtakes and stuff that Sean and I have on this show and a lot of other fun stuff. So take a look. Even if you decide not to contribute to that uh, Patreon, feel free to share the link because it really does help out the show a lot. And thanks again to all our current patrons. You guys are the best and we appreciate your support. Otherwise, if you want to find out more about SMC, you can head on over to SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Check us out on Twitter at MorningTunes. Take a look at Sean's handiwork on our Instagram page. Keep the conversation going on Facebook. And listen to our free audio podcast each and every week through YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, drop us a line. SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. And because I mentioned that, another way to get our attention is to drop a comment on our relevant episodes on YouTube, which is exactly what William McGinn did recently on our Monster by Mistake episode. Yes. Here's what I love about this comment. It's very long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you guys should head on over to our Monster by Mistake episode and check out the comment because it's very well written. It's very well, uh, it's, it's thought out. And William is clearly a fan uh, of this particular show that we talked about. William is essentially like a super fan. This was a show that only a handful of episodes were available on the internet to find. Everything else is sort of like lost media, as he says. I think he says uh, up to like 70% lost media. So that means you can't really find this stuff anywhere. Unless you had a VHS from your childhood or you had a DVD somewhere, you're probably not going to find these. William has taken it upon himself to find as much content for the show as he can. So clearly he's a big fan of the show. Wasn't super thrilled with the fact that we didn't like it very much, but he commented on that in a very respectful uh, and and, uh, friendly way. So we just want to say thank you very much, William, uh, for your comment. And this makes me definitely want to look into Monster by Mistake a little bit more just because you have such a passion for it. And that's really what we all share here on this uh, podcast. It's why we started it in the first place and why we have, you know, 175 episodes where we talk about crazy cartoons. Not going to love them all, but somebody out there does. And we love it. So if you are like William and you have a particular cartoon that you would love to hear us review on this show, whether we like it or not, feel free to send us uh, a comment at any one of those contact places. I think that's the end of my spiel for tonight. Anything else from you, buddy? No, it's good. Nah, Got nah, more spooky good. cartoons coming up more next spaghetti week. spaghetti squeams. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out. <laughs>